Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. All rise. Is it legal to a look at the legal system and you, a special production of the Missouri Bar? I'm Bob Pretty. And I'm Farrah Fight. Farrah, a friend of mine was telling me recently that she'd been called for jury duty. And when she arrived, she told the clerk that she was a former FBI agent, that her husband was a former state patrolman, and she had a brother who was on a police force. And so the clerk suggested there might be a later time when she could come back when they would have a civil case, not a criminal case. That makes sense. And your friend is just one of thousands of people who are called to jury duty each year. Two years ago, more than 75,000 Missourians reported for jury duty in state courts. And in 2016, that number was more than 84,000. Missouri is one of only a few states that hold a statewide juror appreciation week. And more than 50 courts across the state take part in this celebration each year. Jury Appreciation Week occurs late in April. Which is why we're going to look at juries and jury duty today, Farrah. That's right, and we have a special guest with us today, Judge J.B. Lassiter. He's an Associate Circuit Judge in St. Louis County, and we're excited to have him here in his role as a judge to talk to us about the importance of our right to trial by jury, as well as why we should show up to jury duty. Judge, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Farrah, and thank you, Bob. We're glad to have you here. Judge, this is, an, this is an ancient right that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Where did, where did juries come from? The idea of a jury was an, the idea that citizens should make these important decisions instead of just a king or just a, a single person. The idea that was brought over to the United States is that there should be a cross-section of citizens to hear important cases and make the important decision on disputes that are handled in a court. I think this goes back all the way to the Magna Carta in England, doesn't it? That's 1215. That's 800 years ago. It does, sir. Now, I, I've got friends who are, who are concerned that they will be called to jury duty someday. Should people be nervous about being called to jury duty sometime? No, they shouldn't. And as a matter of fact, uh, I was called to jury duty back in uh, 2016 before I became a judge. It is a, a wonderful experience, and it's important that all citizens handle their civic duties, such as voting and such as jury service. It helps uh, keep the uh, system of justice moving and, and assures participants in the legal system uh, that they can get a fair and impartial cross-section of the community to hear their cases. Judge, I know your division handles associate civil matters. And in our introduction, Bob gave the scenario of his friend, and they said, maybe you should come back for a non-criminal case. Can you tell us the difference a little bit between civil and criminal and why maybe juries are needed in both instances? Certainly. A civil case is a uh, best described as a suit for money. Uh, where maybe after an auto accident or uh, a medical malpractice case or even a land dispute or somebody, uh, a dispute, um, you know, over, uh, over property or, or their, their homes uh, or home repairs, they uh, go to court and are seeking money damages to redress the problem. Uh, and so a jury uh, can be summoned to hear that case. A person who's been charged with a crime by the state of Missouri, a violation of the laws of Missouri, or charged in federal court with a violation of federal laws, where they're in danger of going to prison or getting a fine or a conviction, uh, also have a right to a jury. And so the difference is civil is about a suit for money and criminal is about violations of Missouri or federal law that could result in incarceration or fines. An average person on the street who's called to jury duty 
probably worries that they won't be able to understand all the legalese that's involved in a jury in a, in a trial. Do they have a reason to be worried about being able to understand exactly what's being done or what's being said? So the role of a jury is is uh, separated out, and the judge will rule on the matters of law and also give the jury a set of instructions that they will read. And those instructions contain the issues of law and the instructions for what they're supposed to decide as a juror. And so uh, there's never just a jury of one. There's typically a jury of 12. And those people will get the instructions uh, at the conclusion of a case. It tells them some of the first instructions they get, tell them what they're supposed to do to listen to evidence, the kind of things that they should look for as they see witnesses testify. Is the testimony reliable? Does the person have a, a reason to lie or be untruthful? Do they have any biases or prejudices uh, that may not make them a good witness to the things that they are actually testifying to? And so that's called in judging, judging the credibility, and that's an important thing that we ask juries to do. The other thing is, is that each case has elements. A cause of action, whether it's civil or criminal, has elements that the uh, proponent, the prosecutor in a uh, criminal case or the plaintiff in a civil case has to prove, and they have to prove those elements to the jury. And the jury then goes back to deliberate and decides whether the proponent has met all of the elements of their case and then returns a verdict thereon. So a person, a regular citizen, we actually, it's a better uh, for a regular citizen not to have too much legal knowledge. They don't have to have that. They will receive instructions as juries receive in every case uh, in the state of Missouri. And uh, those instructions are, are generally, except for the elements of the crime, the same whether the, uh, whether the case would be a murder case or a stop sign violation. Can you walk us through a day of a person who is summoned to jury duty? They go to the courthouse and go into the room. What, what happens after that? Okay. So uh, they will get summoned in a couple of weeks before they're uh, due to get to uh, – they're summoned to the courthouse. They'll receive a notice uh, from the jury commissioner in their county. Uh, summoning them to the uh, courthouse for a particular day or week. Um, sometimes they are told they are on call and they should call ahead. Um, read that summons if you get it very carefully. It will give you instructions for what to do. And it will also give you instructions if in case you need to get an excuse. Um, but we can talk about that later. On the day that you go to the courthouse, there'll probably be some instructions in there for where you're supposed to park and where you're supposed to go to. Um, in many courthouses, you should plan on going through security uh, and, and uh, probably a metal detector, just like you would if you go to an airport or some sporting events. You would then be uh, directed to the jury assembly room, and there uh, you will uh, perhaps get assigned a number and uh, wait until a jury is called up to a uh, particular courtroom. And uh, while I said that there was, you know, that a jury is usually 12 people, uh, there's often alternates. And when they, uh, before they select a jury, they will send more jurors up, more potential jurors up than they will actually need for the trial for a questioning process called uh, voir dire. So while you're going, uh, while you're waiting in the jury room, to perhaps be taken up to a courtroom, you might be waiting a while. And so you want to take, you would want to take some items uh, with you to pass the time. So it's uh, okay for us to take our phone or our tablet or reading materials? Sure. People who are uh, 
there are plenty of people who bring laptops and 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 conduct their job work uh, in the uh, in the jury assembly room. They bring books to read. Uh, they bring magazines, uh, and they find new friends of, amongst the other potential jurors. Uh, you know, to talk to. Is there any screening done in the jury room where they can do it? Basically, ask a, a blanket question about: Is there any reason why some of you think you should not be here today? Uh, no, that that screening process would happen uh, perhaps a couple of weeks before. A lot okay. of times, the summons will include a questionnaire that the potential juror is supposed to fill out and return back to the to the uh, jury commissioner, and uh, that might uh, include particular reasons. Uh, why they would not be able to serve. If you don't show up, is there a punishment for that? There is a potential of being held uh, in contempt of court for not appearing uh, for jury duty. What type of penalty does that carry, contempt? I know that some people could be potentially jailed for contempt, and they could also receive a fine. Uh, I would expect in most cases they would just get put back into the, the uh, uh, or told they need to come serve at a different time for jury duty. Do you get paid for jury duty service? There is a small stipend uh, that is given, but it's uh, not very significant and, uh, you know, quite often doesn't, you know, hardly covers the cost of lunch. And if you're working, is your employer required to allow you to miss work for jury service? Yes, they are. If you are an employee, you cannot be uh, disciplined or fired for reporting for jury service. So you were starting to talk about, and I'm going to slaughter the Latin pronunciation of this, vordier? Is that, did I say that correctly? What is that screening process, essentially? I remember I reported for jury duty and everyone got asked a lot of questions. Um, so could you talk about that process and why it's important? It's, uh, it's, uh, honestly, a French phrase. Oh, <laughs> uh, voir If you're pronouncing French, or um, as we a lot of times we'll say in the St. Louis area, for dire, um, is a essentially the examination of potential jurors to see if they're proper for a particular case. And so uh, they might summons a group or bring a group of thirty to forty-five jurors to a courtroom uh, for questioning by the judge. Uh, and or the attorneys uh, about the particular case. And so at that time, uh, the jury is sworn uh, to answer questions truthfully, and they are then asked a series of questions, uh, generally to the whole uh, group of jury jurors, uh, about their potential life experiences um, or biases or anything they may have that may touch upon their ability to serve as a juror in a particular case. It's not that a person is not a, a good juror at all. It just means that maybe in the particular trial that's being held, whether it's a medical, medical malpractice or an auto accident case or a criminal trial, that everybody brings uh, their life experiences with them to the courthouse. And the question is, are they, are they, could they be a fair and impartial juror for the particular case that's being tried? The attorneys will ask questions of the jury that touch upon their life experiences and biases that they have uh, and then make decisions based on those answers that they give about whether they think that person would be a suitable juror. I know that when I was called 
I never was selected to serve on a jury, but I think one of the cases involved robbery. And so they asked those who were there if they had been a victim of robbery or theft or similar crimes. Um, How personal can those questions end up being that you might be expected to answer in a room full of people you've never met before? So those that's a great question, Farah. The questions can get kind of personal and and not just in a robbery case, but there's a number of sexual assault or child victim trials uh, that happen in courthouses. Um, and for the both the prosecution and the defense, the person on trial, to get a fair trial, it's important that those those life experiences or perhaps biases uh, are explored by the attorneys. Now there is a way that that uh, the court can handle that in a private way. Typically, you would ask the question about a life history. So if if perhaps this was a rape trial, the uh, prosecutor or defense attorney might ask if anybody has uh, been a victim of or has a family member that has been a victim of a sexual assault and ask those people to raise their hands. Um, then the uh, that uh, that victim or that person would be brought up to the sidebar uh, or to a private conference with just the judge and the attorneys um, so that it's out of the hearing of the rest of the people in the courtroom and that the person can explain their history and, and what's going on uh, in a more private way at the bench. I should say, now um, a record is being kept uh, of any trial um, for appeal purposes. Uh, so court reporter will be recording these things that are being said, but it does not, that does not get out to the general public. And uh, it is an, it's such an important right or important part of assuring a fair trial to both the uh, prosecution and the defense uh, that uh, it is important to bring those things out um, in, in the selection of a jury. So it's, it's, a, it's no fun to ask somebody to come up and talk about some of the the very difficult moments in their life. Um, But it is just as important uh, to assure a fair trial for all the parties involved. Some people who show up for jury duty are probably envisioning that they'll be sitting in a jury box for days on end, when in fact an awful lot of cases never go to juries. Uh, Can you give us an idea of of, uh, how, how often a jury actually is impaneled to hear a case? It is a very small amount. And in St. Louis County, uh, there may be less than uh, 100 uh, criminal trials in a year, criminal jury trials, and uh, we're a county of nearly 1 million people. There's also, you know, a small number of civil cases that actually go to a trial too, um, but they are important when they happen. So there are people who will come to the courthouse for jury duty and may never serve on a jury, but their their presence is important nonetheless. Uh, to make sure that juries are available. Sometimes cases settle on the on the day of trial, um, and sometimes uh, sometimes they do go to trial. And in when it does, it's important that we have a fair cross section of the community uh, available to serve as jurors. This sounds like a good time for a segment we call Legalese. Legalese with retired Supreme Court Judge Mike Wolf. Legalese that means we ask Judge Wolf to translate the lawyer's language into common English. Judge? For most of my legal career, I was not eligible to be a juror. I received a jury summons about 25 years ago and I called the county jury commissioner. Felons and lawyers, she happily informed me, are not eligible. But that has changed. 
for the last quite a few years, lawyers can be called. And two years ago, after I retired from the Missouri Supreme Court, I was notified that I was to be considered for federal grand jury. I filled out the questionnaire, sent it in, and reported for duty when the summons arrived. I was there with about 82 of my fellow Missourians from the eastern side of the state, and for a few hours, the judge and prosecutors quizzed us about our qualifications and our attitudes, frankly. During a break in the session, some of my fellow attendees who heard that I had been a judge asked me, what are you doing here? I replied, the same thing as you. I was summoned, and it's my duty as a citizen to show up. I learned that the service would involve one or two days a week for an entire year and was actually somewhat relieved when the judge and the prosecutor did not pick me. A grand jury decides whether a prosecutor has enough evidence to indict a person accused of a crime. Recently, I got a notice asking me to be available for regular jury duty, sometimes called pettit jury. These are cases decided in trials where you have civil cases where money is usually the issue or criminal cases where the question is whether a person's guilty or not guilty, and sometimes what the punishment should be. This experience made me feel especially grateful for the people who showed up for jury duty. The jury is central to our court system. The American colonists brought this institution to America from Great Britain. From earliest times, the jury was considered essential to involving the people in the judicial branch of their government. I am constantly impressed with the devotion that my fellow citizens bring to this task. Jurors bring the real world into our courtrooms, where people and businesses come seeking decisions for their disputes. When they hear and see the evidence, when the judge explains the law, and when the attorneys argue for their clients, then the jurors are taken into a room by themselves to decide the facts and render a verdict. The jury, thus, is the ultimate democratic institution. Experienced lawyers and judges accumulate a lot of wisdom from jury decision-making. When evaluating the strength of a case, whether it be a criminal prosecution or a civil case for money, we always ask, what will a jury do? More than 90% of civil cases, however, end in settlement. More than that, more than 90% of criminal prosecutions end with a plea agreement. So how do lawyers figure out what those cases are worth? They get it from jurors that they got to know in previous cases. Our system of justice is built on this democratic institution, the jury. So thank you, jurors, for your essential service. Legalese. When they do go to trial, is this normally a very long, long event? Uh, it's been my experience that, that most trials uh, with a jury go just about two or three days. There are some cases that have gone longer, but they're very rare. Uh, and jurors will just... They don't, they're not stuck in a hotel. In only in rare cases are they what's called sequestered, where they would stay in a hotel or under the, the care of the sheriffs. Um, but most in most all cases, jurors go home at night, uh, have dinner with their families, or they can take care of some work things that, uh, that may have come up during the day and then return to the courthouse and start up again in the morning and try and work a full day. At the time that they deliberate and they go back to uh, try and reach a verdict, you know, sometimes they can go uh, after hours and into the night. But generally, jury service is regular business hours as we have at the court. Can jurors read information, read newspapers or articles or seek out information outside of what they hear presented at trial about the case that they're sitting in on? Absolutely not. And uh, but they will be instructed about that at the at each break of the case. As tempting as it is to go pick up your phone and Google 
uh, or do a search about uh, the case that you're sitting on or the case you might be asked to hear, uh, the court will instruct you not to look at any news media or electronic media or internet searches about the case. And certainly, if you are summoned for jury duty, um, we ask that you try not to research anything about the case on the uh, Missouri Courts website, uh, CaseNet. Uh, this is a way to assure that a juror that comes in uh, and hears a case is only hearing the, the information uh, that comes uh, in the courtroom and not from any external sources. Are, are juries always 12 people? Generally, yes. There are provisions in the law for smaller juries to serve uh, with a minimum of six people. But in my experience, juries have always been 12 people. And do all 12 have to agree on every case? No. In a criminal case, let's start with a criminal case. Again, a violation of state law or federal law where the person could be in danger of imprisonment. Uh, those verdicts must be unanimous. So all 12 persons must agree. And in a civil case, uh, three quarters of the jury that sits, so nine of the 12, must agree for a verdict to be reached. And uh, I should also say, while juries are 12, there is also provision for alternate jurors. And so we may, uh, when we pick a jury for a case, have 14 jurors sit and hear the case, but only 12 will deliberate. And alternate jurors are available in case somebody was to get ill or uh, uh, in the middle of a trial, then we can just replace that juror with an alternate and keep the case going. So always carry a spare. You know, always carry a spare. It helps out. Well, I, I suppose a lot of folks have seen various movies of the 12 Angry Men or they've seen it performed on stage. Is jury deliberations like that? Rarely. And, you know, one of the problems in 12 Angry Men is uh, I, Henry Fonda's character went out and did his own research. And that's the kind of thing that we ask you not to do. Um, certainly, we wouldn't want somebody to go, you know, out and uh, look at an intersection. If you were in an auto accident case, we wouldn't want you to go out and look at that intersection uh, at the time of the trial and, and come back and tell that information to a jury. That's why we ask you not to do Google searches because maybe things about that intersection have changed. Maybe they've put a stoplight in instead of, you know, there's no longer stop signs. Well, that's the first thing I have to say about 12 angry men. <laughs> but, uh, tell us the more. other thing, the other thing is, is quite often it's not that contentious. Um, now, the jury deliberations are private. Only the 12 people are in there making those deliberations. A bailiff guards the door. Um, so I'm not privy to what exactly goes on. I know sometimes there can be some heated discussions, um, but essentially it's, it's people working together as they you know, recall the facts. Um, many courts and many trials, people are allowed to take notes. Uh, and so the, uh, the, the, each of the jurors, as they deliberate, can go back through their notes and recall uh, certain things about the, uh, the statements of witnesses or the evidence that they heard and saw, uh, and uh, as it helped guide them as they go through the instructions and see if the elements of each case were met. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about, about watching juries in, in my you know, years as a, as a practicing attorney and, and as a judge is that uh, we put these people together, you know, for a couple of days at a time and give them one thing in common and then tell them they can't talk about it 
until we send them back to deliberate. <laughs> and so they have to be creative with their time, and they they form uh, they form friendships and bonds, uh, share recipes, share stories about their life because uh, they they are you know together. Uh, yet can't talk about the one thing that they have in common. And then as they deliberate, you know, those, those friendships and, uh, all, uh, you know, they treat each other with respect, uh, generally while they deliberate. Well, if you, you know, if there's, you've already outlined a few things jurors should or shouldn't do in terms of doing research or looking ahead, but just to be a good juror, what kind of quality should a person have or, or, or try to develop or focus on? Uh, you just have to be a, a ready to come to court and listen. Uh, and uh, you may be asked to set aside any experiences you have in life uh, before you became a juror and, uh, you know, set those aside. So the requirements are very small. You do need to be able to uh, uh, speak English and, uh, and read English. That's about the only requirement. Uh, you have to be over 18 years of age. Um, but there's no intellect or, or other requirements that are they're placed on juries. What are good is what we want you to be is well rested, uh, so that uh, you know during the hours that you're listening and and having to, having to hear testimony and, and witnesses, we don't want you to nod off because uh, then we will have to kind of tap you awake. Um, and uh, uh, you know you might be able to take notes and that sort of thing. So uh, and to help jurors with all of that stuff, uh, you know we'll take uh, we'll take breaks. So, you know, court might start at nine o'clock and uh, there's usually a mid-morning break, uh, time for lunch and an afternoon break uh, before we're done for the day. What happens in the event that these individuals, even though they try to work together, are unable to come to a unanimous decision in a criminal case? Is that called a hung jury or a mistrial? And and do you ask them to try to go back and keep working through it, or, or is that something where you just start all over at the beginning with a new jury? No, that's a wonderful question, Farah. So the the object is to arrive at a verdict. Uh, you know, um, aside from the uh, the obvious stress involved for the attorneys and the parties in in going to trial, uh, you know, there is the expense of money and time invested in it as well, and so. We do encourage juries to reach a verdict, and there's an instruction that the court will give them to encourage the jury to keep trying to deliberate to reach a verdict. Sometimes it's not possible, though, and can't get all 12 persons to agree. And uh, if the uh, trial judge feels that uh, there is no further deliberation that'll help, then the uh, judge would declare the jury hung and uh, a mistrial is declared. And then the case would get set back on the docket for another jury trial uh, a, a, in some time in the future. Is there a limit to how many times a person can have a hung jury and then just not have to do this again or go through this again? There is not a legal limit on it. Uh, the case could keep uh, getting tried. Um, but there's a practical reality that if, if, uh, if the prosecutor can't obtain a conviction, you know, in a certain number of tries, it's, it's probably, there's probably no jury that can be able to bring back a verdict, uh, in that case. And then the prosecutor in his discretion, uh, can decide to keep trying to go forward or dismiss the case, uh, is what often happens. Um, the other thing is, is after a certain point, witnesses, uh, start getting tired and of coming and testifying and, and, uh, 
the case just becomes more difficult. Unfortunately, jury service seems to be one of those things that gets bemoaned quite often. Humorous shows or common comedians take aim at it. And even, you know, citizens, when I look on um, social media, a lot of times I see hashtag board associated with being called to jury duty. Um, what are there instances where you've had those um, where you've had individuals show up and give really unusual or outlandish excuses trying to get out of jury duty? Have you ever encountered that or, or witnessed that? Sure. There's, there's people that'll, you know, come right out and, uh, and make themselves known during the voir dire process, you know, with answers to questions that are just kind of silly or outrageous and, and claim they can be fair, unfair or claim they can't be fair to anyone or, uh, that they hate this or that. Um, and they'll raise their hand with an answer to every question, uh, just trying to, to get out of jury service. And they make themselves known uh, fairly quickly. Um, but uh, I can't think of, of too many excuses. People take, the, people take that job seriously, and they're taking an oath to tell the truth when they answer questions in a courtroom. Uh, and uh, and, and they, they treat it seriously. And there's a lot of people who very sincerely want to serve as jurors, uh, and that's a credit to them. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll talk about that they have, you know, a, a vacation planned or they have plane tickets um, and, uh, and say that maybe I can move this or maybe I can ask the doctor if I can move that, uh, move a surgery. Uh, that has been the thing that stands out more to me than people with outlandish excuses. Uh, it's it's the, uh, the people who are, are genuinely and believe it, it is their duty to serve and, and will try to help out in any way they can. That's refreshing. Now, we, we've been talking about what I think are called pettit juries. What's the difference between a pettit jury and a grand jury? A grand jury is a uh, jury that uh, sits at the request of a prosecuting attorney. Uh, it, is it is selected uh, by a judge from members of the regular jury pool, and uh, they hear evidence relating to probable cause, whether a crime has been committed. It's an investigatory jury, and it also hears a, a certain amount of evidence from the, uh, from the prosecuting attorney. Now, in an ordinary jury trial, a pettit jury in a criminal case wants to, to return a conviction, has to hear evidence or proof that uh, convin firmly convinces them of the defendant's guilt. That's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. A grand jury has a different role. And they are just hearing whether there is probable cause to bind the defendant over for uh, a criminal trial. So the standard is much smaller. It is probable cause that it's more likely than not that the defendant committed a crime. Do many circuits in Missouri actually use the grand jury process or do they pursue indictments through other means? The grand jury returns an indictment. The uh, other way for a criminal case to proceed as a felony is through an information being filed by a prosecuting attorney after a preliminary hearing, which means that the uh, prosecutor puts on evidence in front of a judge showing that there is, again, probable cause uh, that the defendant committed a crime. So uh, then an information is filed. An indictment is only returned by a grand jury. Um, that would be the distinction in, in that. So there are two ways uh, for a case to get into the circuit court as a felony. It's either through a grand jury indictment 
or a information filed after a preliminary hearing. A grand jury is possible in every county of Missouri, uh, but they are more common in the uh, larger counties and city of St. Louis. So Jackson County and St. Louis County use a grand jury. The grand jury meets in secret. It's not an open proceeding open to the public. So sometimes it is a, a place in, I was a prosecutor before I took the bench, where uh, we would bring child victims to testify so that they were not having to testify about things that happened to them in a public setting. But they did appear in front of the 12 grand jurors uh, to tell about what happened and, and explain the elements of the crime. Uh, and a indictment can be returned if that grand jury return, uh, has nine votes uh, to find that there's probable cause. Is that the terminology called a true bill or no That's true correct. bill? Now, if you're called to a grand jury, this a grand jury could go on for quite some time as opposed to a pettit jury. Yeah. It uh, it it has a uh, it does not have a a time limit on it and uh uh people can and serve on that for a number of weeks. And so when the judge uh, summons them or asks them whether they wish to serve as as a grand juror, the judge would explain that what kind of how much time they could expect to be sitting and what they should expect. In many counties, the uh, the grand jury just meets once a week for a day or half a day. But there's no there's no um, back and forth between a, a possible defendant and a possible prosecutor before a grand jury is there. No, in some instances, the prosecutor controls the uh, evidence that's presented to the grand jury. Then the grand jury can ask for certain things to be presented to them, uh, but the prosecutor can invite the defendant to uh, testify before the grand jury. And it would be up to the defendant, uh, that's the person charged with the crime, uh, to decide whether they wish to testify in front of the grand jury or not. And uh, the defendant would make that decision after talking with counsel. It may be advantageous to them in certain cases, like where self-defense was an issue. Uh, then there is an advantage, perhaps, in the uh, defendant presenting that case or making their statement to the grand jury. Um, but to do so, they would have to waive their right. Uh, to uh, self-incrimination under the Fifth Amendment and be subject to cross-examination by the prosecutor. How does a prosecutor decide to take a case to a grand jury instead of run it through the regular procedures? It is in their uh, it is in their discretion, and so uh, quite often, if there's going to be complex evidence that might take a long time to present in a preliminary hearing, it, it would be in the prosecutor's discretion to do that. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's also an opportunity to present child victims or sexual assault victims in a uh, situation that respects their privacy a little bit. So complex cases, white collar cases with a lot of records, complex cases such as homicides quite often get presented in a uh, grand jury. Now, if the prosecutor thinks the case might be strong or weak, the prosecutor could also go to a public hearing of a preliminary hearing to see how strong or weak their evidence is and whether their witnesses will show up. Is there any limit to the number of times a person can be called to jury duty? Generally, the limit is uh, no more than once a year. There are some people that, that tell me that they've gone years without ever being summoned to jury duty or, or they got summoned back in, in the 1990s. And I have other people who come and tell me uh, they, they get summoned every year. So it depends uh, kind of on what county you live in and how frequently they have trials there. Is it just a random drawing essentially by the clerk of the court? 
to identify who gets called? That's correct. They create a roll of potential jurors from various records, property taxes, driver's license records, various government records, and some you know, some church records, things like that, uh, to kind of come up with an area or a number of potential candidates for juries uh, in a county. If you're someone that thinks that maybe your time is too valuable or that you have other responsibilities or maybe you're a small business owner and you really don't want to be away from your business for a few days, um, what would you say to them? You know, it's just an important part of being a citizen uh, in our country and that, uh, you know, a small business owner is, is the perfect example. Uh, that's a person who works very hard and doesn't have an opportunity to just close up shop and and go spend a couple days in court. Um, but those same small business owners, you know, might get sued one day and they uh, will want a jury of a fair cross-section of the community, including small business owners, to help hear that case. Everybody needs to take a part in the process uh, so that uh, it's not just a few people who are who are serving as jurors. It's important to get a fair cross-section, and, and that includes all professions and styles of life. We've been talking about the right to a jury trial today, protected by the Sixth and Seventh Amendments of the Constitution, but really that right doesn't work without people showing up and doing their job when it comes to jury service. As a judge, what would you say to those who are listening to this who may be asked to report to jury duty someday? Come with an open mind and uh, come ready to uh, enjoy the experience. There is a, a fair amount of odds. Uh, I guess the odds are in your favor that uh, you, if you were hoping not to be put on a jury, there's good odds that you may not be put on a jury. Um, but it's important that you show up nonetheless. And it's important that we get a fair cross-section of the community. Um, there's been plenty of people who were, I've talked to who said, yeah, I showed up for jury duty and I, I didn't, I wasn't put on a jury and they were kind of disappointed. A lot of people like to see the process and they like to be a part of it. And, uh, it's come with an open mind because it is going to be nothing like you see on television shows, uh, and, uh, and movies and stage productions. Um, but, uh, most people who do it enjoy that and enjoy being part of the process uh, respect the attorneys in the court for the efforts that they put in and are, are happy they've done it uh, when they leave. Judge, thank you very much. You've been listening to Is It Legal 2, a podcast service of the Missouri Bar. We're glad to have had Judge J.B. Lassiter with us to talk to us about one of the oldest privileges we have in our system of government, the jury system. So again, Judge, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. You can learn more about Juror Appreciation Week at MissouriLawyersHelp.org, where you can order posters, take a fun quiz about juries, and find blog posts with even more information about jury service. And be sure to join the celebration on social media this year using hashtag ThankAJuror. We've been talking about jury service today, which some try to creatively get out of. But Tony Simons, the Missouri Bar Citizenship Education Director, is here to tell us why it's time for us to change our view on the importance of the jury process and the role we play in making this constitutional right a reality. Thomas Jefferson once wrote, I consider trial by jury as the only anchor yet imagined by man by which a government can be held to the principles of its constitution. Yet the words jury duty send most people into a desperate search for justifications to get out of it. 
unprecedented levels of creativity and argumentation are demonstrated to avoid it. Why not? Jury duty is widely perceived as something of a joke, a burdensome waste of time to be avoided at all costs. It is time for us to change our view of the importance of the jury process and the role we play in making this right a reality. Being asked to serve on a jury is not something akin to a criminal sentence. Instead, being summoned to serve on a jury means being asked to play an essential role in one of the most important parts of our constitutional system. Most people will never serve in the legislature. Even fewer will be elected governor. However, being on a jury is an opportunity for citizens to participate directly in our government. Former federal court judge George H. Bolt went so far as to write, Jury service honorably performed is as important in the defense of our country, its constitution and laws, and the ideals and standards for which they stand, as the service that is rendered by the soldier on the field of battle in the time of war. Some may find Bolt's statement to be jarring. It is the rare juror who faces a barrage of gunfire or improvised explosive devices. Should Bolt be dismissed as naive and uninformed about the dangers of the battlefield? Probably not. Bolt served in the United States military in World War II and achieved the rank of lieutenant colonel. He made his statement with full knowledge of the significance of the battlefield. His intent was not to demean the actions of the soldier. Instead, it was to highlight the importance of those who serve on juries. It is undeniable that trial by jury mattered greatly to the individuals who created our nation and system of government. Trial by jury is the only right that appears in the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution as originally drafted, and in the Bill of Rights. Thomas Jefferson identified the king's rejection of trial by jury as one of the long train of abuses listed in the Declaration of Independence as justification to split from England. In Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution, the framers specified that the trial of all crimes except in cases of impeachment shall be by jury. The Sixth Amendment states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. The Seventh Amendment provides that in suits at common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved. Clearly, it mattered to our founding fathers, and perhaps this was the point that Judge Bolt was trying to make. It is frequently said that those in the armed forces are fighting for the protection and preservation of our rights. While admittedly, those who serve as jurors are not putting their lives at risk, they too are providing a service that functions to strengthen one of our most important rights. Those willing to be on a jury are taking noble ideas and turning them into a reality for individuals who come to our courts seeking justice. We don't make jokes about those who run from the battlefield and leave the fighting to others. Why should we regard avoiding serving on a jury as a laughing matter?
The approach we currently bring to this issue is reminiscent of the story of the Little Red Hen. When the Little Red Hen asked who would assist in the work of making the bread, time after time, none of the other animals wanted to be involved. However, once the bread was made, these other animals wanted to be able to partake of the bread. We can't fall prey to the mistakes of the barnyard animals in this fable. If we want to enjoy the benefits of trial by jury, then we need to be willing to serve on juries and help to make the bread. At this point, we stand at a crossroads with a choice to make. Do we want to enjoy a robust system of trial by jury and do what is necessary to make that happen? Or do we want to continue to play the game of not me and risk losing the benefits of one of the most important aspects of our constitutional system? It is questionable how much longer the strategy of let someone else do it will work. If trial by jury is worthy of being embraced as one of our most important constitutional values, then we must all play our role in preserving it and making it work. Nothing further, Your Honor. The more you know about the laws that impact your daily life, the better decisions you'll be able to make about your life, your family, and your finances. I'm Farrah Fight. I'm Bob Pretty. Join us for another episode of the Missouri Bars podcast, Is It Legal Too? A regular look at our legal system and you.